Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Bohm. My guest today is Ben Walsh. He sings and plays guitar for the band Tiger's Jaw, who just released a second single called Lemon Mouth from their new album, I Won't Care How You Remember Me, which is due out March 5th, 2021. I've been looking forward to having Ben on the show as he's been a friend for years, and I've been a fan of his music since before we even met. Uh, We discuss his first experiences playing music, his first shows, tours, and recording. We even get into the Sound and Fury motorcycle incident that uh, shut down the festival as they were setting up to play their first set ever in Southern California 10 years ago. If you're a fan of Tiger's Jaw or just want to hear a wholesome conversation about making music, you're going to have a good time. Thanks for being here. This is my conversation with Ben Walsh, and this is the first ever podcast. Ben, thanks so uh, thanks so much for coming on the, the show. This is... Uh, this is uh, I'm excited about this. Um, it's always nice talking to people that I've, you know, toured with or just known forever and ever. So uh, this is cool. Thank you. It's uh, my my pleasure. Thank you so much. One of the uh, <clears throat> one of the additional uh, I think bummers about this whole year is without touring is not seeing people that you know you, we are friends of ours that live in different parts of the country and of the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I think especially as it's now getting to, you know, the winter season, I feel like it, this is the point when all of us would have seen each other by now. Usually it's uh, exactly. the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Like all my, whenever like, you know, I get like the archive post thing, whether it's like Facebook or Instagram or whatever, of just like memory stuff. It's all just hanging out with buds and it's like, damn. It's, it's, uh, I think it's hitting all of us a lot harder at this current moment. Are, are you with me on that? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, this, this year has been weird for so many reasons, but I feel like time has passed in such a strange way where, um, like, I don't know where the, where this year went, like it's flown by, but it's also felt like the longest year somehow as well. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think I've, I've boiled it down to, um, the election was the, took the longest, but everything else flew by. Yeah. Like that, that was where it's like, you know, that just kept, it kept approaching, but it was like, come on, just let us get to this goddamn election. And then of course that dragged on to what feels like three months already. So yeah. And is, and is potentially still being dragged out. Yes. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's been rough. Um, Are you, are you currently in, actually, you know, it's funny. I don't know if I fully actually know. Are you, you're in Philly right now, right? Yes. I'm in Philly. Okay, and you've been in Philly, right? Since pretty much we've been friends, or were you still living in Scranton ever? Um, I moved from Scranton in 2013 uh, and lived in Lancaster for a little bit. So I, I graduated from college and took a job outside of Lancaster and um, worked there for almost a year and then moved to Philly. So in probably about 2014. Uh, okay, yeah. got it. And you are and you were born and raised in Scranton, right? Yeah, I'm a... Uh, South South Scranton, uh, yeah. I, I I live in Philly, but I still I still claim you know I'm from Scranton. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Um, that's awesome. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember what the first thing that you connected to musically as a kid was growing up in Scranton? Um, you know, it's probably a bunch of different things all pushed together. Like definitely, like going to church as a kid. Like you hear music and. Um, there was a guitar in my house growing up. My, my mom uh, played a little bit when she was in college. Um, 
so there was always just like a little bit of music around um, when I was still pretty young, but like, you know, interested in uh, what, what I was hearing on, on just on the radio when we were driving in the car. Um, my older cousin, who I've always looked up to, he uh, I found out that he was playing in a band while he was in college. Um, so I, I definitely like at the next holiday get together or whatever was like all over him asking him questions about it and stuff. Um, and then probably shortly after that, I actually got to go see one of his bands play. Oh, that's awesome. So was that like kind of your first concert concert going to see your cousin play? I'm trying to pinpoint it. My, uh, I have a, I have a weird first concert, like real concert. Mm-hmm. Um, it was weird Al. Nice. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was like um, the bad hair day tour or something it was the uh yes it was the bad hair day tour um, <laughs> i only know that because that was uh i know nick from touche has like a tour shirt from that i know he went to that too as a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i was in seventh sixth or seventh grade um and it was a big deal for me uh but yeah th- there was like this weird sort of small scene in Scranton there was like a butt rock scene and then there was a ska scene and then there was also this really cool like art indie scene that and that's what my my cousin was sort of involved with he played in this really cool band called the Swims okay um and they were sort of like like po- the power pop um really kind of theatrical almost but the songs were really good and uh definitely like heavily Elephant Six collective influence, uh, just like really poppy, bubblegummy sort of stuff. It was, they were so good. Oh, that's awesome. Cause yeah, I, I know like the, wasn't the band previous to the Menzingers, a ska band or yeah. something? Like, cause I know, I know you all kind of grew up in the same world. Yeah. One of the first, uh, like local band shows I remember going to was, uh, at this venue called the Mighty John and, uh, the, there was a band that played called the Cretans and Greg Barnett and uh, maybe Bobby, his brother was, was playing in the band at the time. Uh, but their band played and uh, the band Cosmos played, which had members of Tiger's Jaw and members of Captain We're Sinking uh, later on. And then Bob and the Saggots played, which was, uh, you know, three fourths of, uh, of the Menzingers. Right, right, right. It's <laughs> such a, such a, a ridiculous band name it's uh yeah it's, it's and yeah. that's a ska band for sure right oh 100 percent uh yeah when I first... Saggots, you, you can only play ska with that name <laughs> yeah <laughs> when i when i first i mean me as a, as like a sixth or seventh grader like i was like that's the funniest band name i've ever heard like <laughs> this this rules um so I, yep. I was i had to go see them play uh yeah of course yeah um uh, that's awesome. And when you so when you first started playing music though, uh, was drums your first instrument? I, f- I forget really what made me pick the drums, but uh, I, I think maybe it was just that I you know there was a guitar in the house and I for the life of me could not figure out how to make anything sound like music with it. Mm. Um, so you know I could I could hit on stuff and be like, oh, this sort of sounds like drums. Um, so <laughs> I got I sa- saved up my money and and bought a really really cheap. horrible drum set from a pawn shop that had like trash can lids basically for, for symbols. And, uh, God bless my parents for allowing me to fumble my way through the drums, uh, in, in the house. Oh my God. Uh, Cause it must've been an awful racket. Yeah. Uh, any parent that 
has the kid that that says they want to go the drum route, my heart goes out to them because yeah. that's not going to be a fun couple of years of of even just getting the hang of it. It's just no the neighbors too. Oh, my brother, my older brother played drums, and uh, yeah, all of our neighbors hated us with a absolute passion. I'm actually curious, like, what would you put on? Uh, you know CDs or whatever and just try to play along to them like do you remember what some of those first songs you learned how to play on drums were um I didn't have any sort of like sophisticated setup for like listening to something while playing it so I, I would just try to play Blink 182 songs you know by memory just along to nothing sure okay yeah that makes sense um, yeah and then what at what point did you pick up the guitar and try to play that a little more seriously was that later on in life yeah it was it was a little bit uh, like so i was playing drums for a little bit and there was a couple kids in you know seventh grade with me that liked you know green day and blink 182 and um so we like would get together at whoever's house usually mine because the i had the drums um and uh we would just learn cover songs and stuff like that and uh it's, I think maybe somebody left their guitar at my house because we were going to play again, like an, a, an electric guitar. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this actually feels great to play. Uh, you know, it's just easier um, to like press down on and everything. Were you like self-taught with uh, with actually both those instruments? Yeah, um, I, I had taken like uh, maybe two or three like really informal drum lessons uh, with this guy who my my parents knew. Um, but it, it was just like, he came over and we, he showed me some stuff on like a practice pad. Um, and then I think only one, one lesson actually on the drum kit, but otherwise, yeah, I was just learning how to play. Uh, you know, I, I would listen to something and try to figure out how to replicate it. Uh, and, and same with guitar. I never, I never took any lessons or anything. Um, you know, and there's probably benefits and drawbacks to that. Um, now I feel like I wish I knew more technique stuff, but but maybe I wouldn't be the same type of guitar player if I had gone that route from the start. So, God, yeah, that's interesting. I never really think about that too much, but yeah, it's you know when you when you I feel like when people you know are self taught, kind of figure out themselves, they might have a little bit more of like I guess for lack of a better term, swagger with what they're doing you know, maybe play a little weird or like hold their pick weird or do certain chords, you know, not the way you're quote unquote supposed to. Um, And then if you're, yeah, but then if you're like, you know, you have lessons every week, uh, it might, it might feel a little more, you know, restricted or something. I've never really thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah. I feel like the more rules that you like when you start doing something, the more rules you think that there are that kind of like, put restrictions on how much you are willing to like experiment with finding your own style. Maybe um, at least that's what I was told myself. I was like, I don't need lessons. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean like when I, when I started playing guitar, it was, it was like the third lesson when my guitar teacher wanted to then start showing me how to read music. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I, don't, <laughs> I can out. hardly play these notes. Yeah. Like I can hardly <laughs> play these chords still. And you like won't want to show me that. And then, you know, like not that much later, a friend taught me how to do the power chord and it was just over from there. I was like, right (laughs) now I can play all my favorite songs. I have all the tools I need. Yeah. (laughs) 
exactly. Uh, what was the first band you actually did? Um, so the first band, uh, it was me and uh, a couple friends in, you know, in grade school, seventh grade maybe. And uh, we were called Something Less Than Perfect. Uh, just perfect a classic <laughs> generic yep. band name. I, I remember in computer class taking like a stock f- image of a stop sign and, and, you know, in some sort of like really early, like, su- like pseudo Photoshop way, trying to make the letters, like trying to cut them all apart so I can rearrange them to say SLTP. Um, and then I tried to make that into our, our demo cover. Um, but yeah, the, the funny thing about that band was, uh, you know, we just were basically playing blink covers and we, we wrote a few originals too. Um, and our guitar player quickly lost interest. And, uh, so our bass player singer moved to guitar and then my brother started playing bass. And at the time he was like eight, nine years old, maybe. Oh my God. But was actually like super good at bass that's awesome so it was it was fun he was just like an actual child we played one show uh i think at like a high school or something and and so it was like and and we you know i looked like a child too i was in i think eighth grade but you know he was really really young um so it was it was pretty funny please tell me there's like home video footage of that show uh there probably is somewhere um, and, and I still have a, like a demo CD around somewhere too. Oh, that's awesome. So you actually recorded with that band. Was it like at a recording studio? Uh, no, the, our guitar players, guitar teacher had like a, uh, some sort of like 24 track recorder and we went over to his place and I, you know, to me, that was a, a real studio. Right. Um, you know, it was like dark and smelly and like had all sorts of weird music memorabilia all over the place. And, um, we set up the drums and, uh, I didn't know how it worked. And, uh, I guess he didn't know how to makes like a scratch guitar track happen. So I literally just played without no click track, no scratch track, just, just played the drum parts from memory. Damn. And that's how we record, like that's how we recorded. And so, you know, naturally when you listen to it, the the tempo is just horrendously all over the place and (laughs) it's, it's a mess, super inconsistent. Uh, But you know, it it was our, my first time ever recording. Oh, that's awesome. So was your first show you ever played like a, like a high school talent show type of vibe? Yeah, exactly. Something like that. I think it was my eighth grade talent show actually. Okay. I'm pretty sure we covered Damn It and Hitching a Ride. So one blink, one green day, just had to mix it up you know right 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 did you win that's the that's the big question i no i don't think we did um <laughs> I, I i don't it was it was victory enough that i got through playing a, sh- a like a show quote unquote uh without like you know passing out or something i i definitely have still sort of have like you know performance anxiety and definitely did back then for sure Wow, really? I didn't know that about you. Like you, yeah. you still have like stage fright when just like going up to play. Oh, big time! Wow, big time. Just yeah. not like not. Is it like an everyday on tour situation, or is it just? Is it certain shows? It's you know, it, it's certain shows for sure. It definitely, if we haven't played in a while, like if it's on a if it's on a tour, um, I can get into a groove and and kind of like is skip over that the 
anxious part of the day. But, you know, if, if we haven't played in a while or just, you know, if it's just the wrong day, something is in my head and, uh, you know, whatever, I, I just get real worked up and, and uh, get really nervous about performing in front of people and basically talk myself into like, oh, you can't do this. Like, uh, there's there's no way you can get up on that stage. Uh, it's really weird. Yeah, that I mean... That, it's surprising to someone who's like been your friend as long as as we've been friends and you know toured with you and seen you play dozens of times at this point. Like I never would have, never would have guessed you 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 know. Yeah, well, don't don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> no, I mean you're well as a, as a friend. I'll tell you, you're killing it, and uh, I I never would have well, noticed. Thank so, you. Yeah, no problem. Being from Pennsylvania. You know, we used to just joke, it's like, what the fuck is in the water in Pennsylvania? Like, all of these bands <laughs> are all, like, within, you know, an hour of one another, and they're all great. So, like, right. how how was, how was did you all find each other? Because I know I know Wilkes-Barre and uh, Scranton is pretty close, but, you know, I know, but, yeah. like, Doylestown is a good, what, hour and a half, or something like that from uh, from you, for, from Scranton? Yeah, yeah, it's an hour and a half, two hours. Um yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Like there was there was this sort of organic scene within Scranton, and I, I thought that was a big thing. You know, like even just the tiny little boroughs and towns outside of Scranton. And um, we used to uh, we used to have a pretty good uh, relationship with this venue called Test Pattern, and we would they would let us throw shows there basically whenever. And uh, so we we would invite bands that we were friends with on MySpace that lived, you know in and around Scranton. And, uh, you know, little by little, we would branch out a little bit. Um, there was a venue in Wilkes-Barre called Cafe Metropolis. That's like pretty iconic in our area. And, uh, we would send them emails being like, please, like if you need an opener on a show, like we really want to play. And so they finally put us on a show and, um, you know, I guess it went fairly well. Cause they, you know, for, for a while we would play like maybe, once a month there or maybe every other month. Um, so then our bubble would expand outward a little bit. And then we met another band uh, from a little town called Tamaqua that was like an hour from Scranton. And we started doing show trades with them. So then, you know, playing an hour away from Scranton was now like, you know, this is crazy. We're, we're playing, you know, I felt like going on tour in the early days, you know. Oh, for sure. Um, and then we then we eventually played, you know, Philly and, and the suburbs of Philly and kind of like met the the dudes from Balance and Daylight and all that stuff. So it just like within like within Scranton, there was just like this ever growing bubble of like meeting more and more bands. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. And Tiger Shaw started like 2005, right? Or 2006, what was it? Yeah, 2005 uh, was the first time Adam and I got together. Um, so he... He was playing in a, in a ska band when I met him, and then he started this other band that was sort of like like an indie rock, garage rock sort of band, and I just loved them. And so I would go see them play anytime I could. And eventually, he was like, "Oh, you should come! You should come jam with us sometime." And uh, so I so I did, and I you know became friends with those guys. And then he was like, "I have these songs that don't really fit with this band that I want to start." recording do you want to like get together and record so uh it was a couple of days after christmas in 2005 so right at the end of the year um we got together and uh he had just gotten like a like a tascam eight track recorder for christmas or something and uh we just got together and jammed some of the ideas that he had and that was like the first 
iteration of Tiger's Jaw. Okay. And were those the songs that ended up on the that first release? Um, it was definitely an early version of The Sun. Okay. Um, which, which ended up on the, the self-titled. Right. Uh, there was, you know, a couple, a couple songs that maybe there were earlier versions of that kind of just got like reworked or whatever. Jeez. Um, cause yeah, the, the belongs to the dead record. Like how did that come about? There was this, there was, uh, there was this, uh, local record label. There, there were two local record labels that we were like obsessed with. There was one called prison jazz that my cousin's band, the swims were on and this other really amazing band called okay. Patty, who's probably my all time favorite band. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll have to look that up. They ended up, they ended up putting out our first, like our self-titled record, but a little bit before that, while we were still like, you know, working on those songs before we recorded, um, we were approached by this other cool, like weirdo indie label uh, that was called Summer Steps Records. And they were like, we're doing this, uh, this series called the Summer Steps Handmade Series. And it's just like all sort of like home recording. Uh, they were going to do all like the artwork for it. So it was cohesive. Um, and they asked us if we wanted to do it. And we were super, super influenced by like the microphones back then. And, uh, Phil Elverham would do a lot of like tape deck recording and there would just be like a lot of layering of, of like tape distortion and, you know, hiss and all that stuff. So we took Adam's recorder and we actually put all the microphones through an old cassette deck. Um, and, and it was just, just he and I recorded that. And uh, I played the drums and the bass, and he played guitars and did the vocals. Okay, yeah, that's it's. I I was in my notes. I like made a note about summer studs because I was looking it up last night, and I was like, I, I, I'm unfamiliar with all of this stuff. I I just assumed it was it was. Is it fair to say it's like very very like Scranton, uh, like underground sort of releases? Yeah, they uh, they got some notoriety for doing these uh, these tributes to that dude Jandek, that re- recording artist Jandek, uh, who I'm not I'm not going to pretend I'm super familiar with, but uh, sure, I guess he's just like this, you know, sort of um, I don't know. Uh, he has like a cult following, and and so Summer Steps had done a couple of like tribute albums to him. Um, they did a, a Robin Hitchcock release, I think at one point, which was pretty cool. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, otherwise, otherwise it was all just like local Scranton bands. And then, uh, so was Tiger's Jaw the first band that you actually did like a tour tour with? Like the first like full on, like couple, yeah. couple shows in a row kind of deal. What was that like? Um, that was really funny. Uh, it was in 2007 and, uh, I remember, uh, Brianna was in the band, but she was pretty young still. So sh- she wasn't actually allowed to do the tour, which is funny. <laughs> um, I Neither Adam or I had our driver's licenses. So we had two friends who didn't play in the band come with us. And then uh, Pat and Dennis were playing with the band at that point. But I don't know if it was completely uh, official yet. So they would play some shows with us, but not every show at that point. Uh, the the first like couple years, it was kind of like whoever we whoever of our friends were around that like would play with us. Like if Adam and I could do the show, we would take the show and then kind of build a band around it. And how far did that tour go? Um, so yeah, we did that tour. Um, it played the weirdest towns. Like, um, it was only a week, but in in my memory, it feels like it was like 
two months. You know what I mean? Like the early tours, you like more recent tours are like six weeks long and they feel like, you know, I, I have like maybe a few specific memories from them, but like those early tours were so short, but they, I don't know, you were just so enamored by every new experience that like it gets burned into your memory in a different way, I think. Um, so the, that tour, there was one show that I think anyone paid to get into. Otherwise, <laughs> we were literally just playing to the sound person yeah. and whatever one other local band. But I remember we played like outside of Cleveland. We played somewhere in, uh, maybe in upstate New York. Um, we played maybe Western PA. And then it like kind of looped down south. We played in um, this town called Neon, Kentucky. Whoa. Which I've never heard of. Um, and I think that was the only show where like there was actually people that bought tickets. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it was like nobody came to the shows. Nobody knew who we were. But I, that it didn't bother me in the slightest. I was like 17 years old and just so happy to be like getting out of Pennsylvania for a bit. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly what that whole thing was. I mean, uh, the first ba- the band that I toured with before before Touche started like that. I mean, yeah, we played only cities that no one plays. And that's the only reason that anyone ever was at the shows because it's like there's nothing else to do in that town. So kids would just go to these little vets halls just every other day because it was something to see. So when did, yeah, when did, uh, you know, you all meet the, like, like, did you meet Title Fight around that same time? Um, Because I know you mentioned Balance, who are from Doylestown. Because like Wilkes-Barre is pretty close to, Scranton, like when did that relationship start? Um, so, so pretty early on in like 06 or 07, um, Title Fight had kind of started a little bit before us. And um, there was just this reputation like among the MySpace thing, like, you know, message message boards and MySpace and whatever else, like we were posting stuff on about our band. And uh, Title Fight just had this reputation of being like these super young kids who were like the tightest live band ever so like they sort of had this like legendary status about them um and so i got my hands on the uh the split that they did with the erection kids which uh later members became balancing composure and uh i i recorded very badly but i recorded a cover like an acoustic sort of cover of one of their songs evander uh, just because I loved their, I loved the band so much, and uh, I, I put I put it on MySpace or something, and it made its way through this message board that was like a Wilkes Bear music themed message board, and so eventually we we kind of met uh, met each other and uh, just sort of hit it off, and then on uh, in the summertime of two thousand eight, one year after the first like quote unquote tour we ever did. Um, we did a tour with title fight, which I think was also kind of their first, uh, tour as well. Oh, okay. That makes sense. God. And it wasn't even that much longer that they came out and did sound and fury. And then I think tiger shot did sound and fury the year after that it was 2000 was 2010. The yeah. year when it, when it all got crazy. <laughs> was that 2010? <laughs> yeah. Two, 2010. Yeah. So, um, in 2009, 
I think we just did like a maybe like a two week long short tour in the north, like northeast and maybe down south a little bit. Um, we were all like finishing high school, starting college, so we didn't tour full time like at all. Um, whereas I think Title Fight kind of dove right in and started touring all the time. Um, so in yeah, in the in the summer of 2010, we did a, a our longest tour to date, which was a full U.S. in three weeks. So it was just like a blur of nonstop driving. Um, but we went out with this band called the Sidekicks, who are some of our closest friends still to this day. Great band, and uh, they're so great. And so their booking agent, who at the time their booking agent was Jeff Rosenstock, and uh, at the time our booking agent was Andy Rice. So half of the shows were like super like kind of DIY punk shows that, uh, that Jeff had booked. And then the other half were like, kind of like really small club shows that that Andy booked. Um, it all sort of hinged for us around sound and fury, which unfortunately sidekicks were not on. It would have been a very interesting mismatch if they, if they were, uh, but they played like somewhere, somewhere else that night. Uh, and then we didn't even actually get to, to play. Um, (laughs) <laughs> well, you 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 the, you kind mo- of because played. of the motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, uh, that's true. It's so funny. Like, uh, you, you know, I have to remind myself that when I do these podcasts, especially with friends, it's like, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people that listen to this that don't even know that story, which is like weird to me because it yeah. feels like everyone just remembers that or whatever. But I mean, God, it was ten years ago at this point. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sound and Fury Festival, uh, which still happens, uh, which is great. Um, yeah, they were, uh, it was in Santa Barbara. And I remember, I mean, we didn't, we obviously didn't know each other yet. I remember, uh, you know, I have a, I have a very distinct memory of coming out of the bathroom and you, uh, before we met commented on a Nirvana shirt I was wearing. And I remember thinking like, well, that was really nice. (laughs) And then I, then I saw later that it's like, oh, he's in Tiger's jaw. That's really cool. Um, but I remember being so excited to see, you play because again, yeah, like you hadn't toured, you hadn't been out to California. And, you know, I think everybody in the entire scene, you know, hardcore scene, emo scene, whatever you want to call it, like all collectively just agreed that that self-titled Tiger Jaw record was fantastic. So like everybody was so excited to see you finally play. And then uh, someone drove a motorcycle into the festival and got it shut down. Um <laughs> So then, uh, yeah. hardcore does what hardcore does, and scrambled. We were set. Go ahead. We were setting up. So just just to bef- to interject for a quick second. <laughs> yeah, we please. were. This is. I mean, I had dreamed about playing in California, you know, for years, and this was our first our first time playing anywhere near Los Angeles, you know. And to me, it was like I know for you, like it's outside of LA, not even a couple hours. Close, but, but for me, it was definitely. like oh, we're 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 finally playing you know, Los Angeles in, in my mind. <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, so there's, there's two stages and one band sets up while the other band plays and so on and so forth to keep, you know, so there's no change over time. Backtrack was, was playing on the other stage and we were setting our stuff up and that's when the incident happened. So we were like literally about to play probably within the next 20 minutes and then it all went down. You know what's funny when I really think about it? What is the big deal about the motorcycle coming? In? Like, why does that shut down a festival? Like, I'm still, you know, like in the moment, it felt like, yeah, yeah. this is this is this is weird. But like, 
when you, it's like such a weird thing to say out loud. We're like, yeah, someone drove a motorcycle in and an entire festival got shut down. Like it's, it's. Well, they, they tear, they tear gassed. So everybody, uh, like, you know, they, they, security made everybody like go outside and whatever. And, uh, and then nothing was happening for like 10 minutes. And then, you know, riot mentality starts kicking in. People start throwing garbage at the security guards. Somebody oh, threw it yeah. a full trash can and it, and it shattered one of the, like the big glass entry, like one of the, I think it was a door. The door, yeah. Big glass door. And then they just like tear gassed everything. And, you know, it, it all happened like so, so fast, fast, but it was just like this, this crazy, like I'm working up my nerves like to play to you know the first time in california oh my god definitely the biggest the biggest crowd we've ever played to by a long shot and uh and then yeah this whole thing happens and then i'm running away from a cloud of of tear gas (laughs) (laughs) you know it's so funny i feel like we're all so uh like the main memory is the motorcycle but i forgot about the the like you know I guess riot that happened after but I guess in my brain I'm still like why does everyone have to leave the festival to begin with when just someone drives in a motorcycle just tell the person to get the fuck out what are you doing you know like yeah know, it's exactly. the whole thing's the whole thing's weird but um yeah the uh so hardcore does what hardcore does and and you know of a, a house show starts to get you know, organized or whatever. And then everyone's scrambling to, you know, find out what the address is and how, cause I think everyone collectively was like, I want to see Tiger Shaw play. So, um, I remember I, I, I never claimed that I got to see you play, but I certainly listened because I was in the front yard because there was no more space in the backyard. I mean, you can see photos from that. I'm sure, you know, somewhere on the internet, but like it was <laughs> wall to wall packed and i remember you like the band really didn't even have any space to stand either it was like so so yeah it was crazy we yeah we had to go through we had to go through the house and then immediately out the back door was the drum set and someone just handed me a guitar and we just we just played like we didn't check anything like you know like it was just like there were people like sitting all along the fence there were people up on the garage roof mm-hmm. like there were people trying to get on to the roof of the house like it it was insane yes and we played i think three songs or something like that uh and then uh and then handed it off cuz it was like pretty pretty clear that the cops were going to show up at some point and shut everything down so we we, we wanted to make sure that all the rest of the bands, you know, as many bands as, as could play were able to. So yeah, we, yeah, I remember walking to my car as soon as you were done, I was like, this is going to be a wrap any second. Like I want to <laughs> be able to get out of here before cops, like just flood this area. And I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, walking to my car and hearing like what sounded like the entire neighborhood uh, scream, the brace war song where they say their name. This is and, and like, as sirens were pulling up, I was like, I got to get out of here. This yeah. is, is going to get it was bad. in a, It was in like a little cul-de-sac too. So it was like this tiny, quiet little neighborhood and uh, I, I've never seen, you know, so many people like just crowding around it, like a small, quiet house in a cul-de-sac. It was, it was insane. Oh man. Yeah, definitely insane. Um, and then, uh, how did your, how did, uh, how the relationship with, um, run for cover come your way? So on that, on that tour in 2008 with, uh, with title fight, we, we met Jeff, um, we played a show in Austin in like a basement somewhere. And, uh, 
it was right at the time when Run for Cover was kind of talking to Title Fight about releasing some stuff with them. And uh, so, yeah, we, we met Jeff and kind of got to know him a little bit after that and just had, you know, had kept up a correspondence. And uh, the, the funny thing was we had released our self-titled on Prison Jazz Records, the Scranton label, but um, they were they were sort of like, you know, they, they all worked other jobs and like the label wasn't really like a super priority at the end for them. So like when people started kind of catching on and ordering copies of our record from them um they kind of just like vanished on us and so we we had x amount of copies like from the label that we were able to sell it at our shows but we were getting all these emails from people saying hey i ordered your cd like you know two months ago i've never never heard anything never got it so we started sending out our copies to like make up for the ones that the label wasn't sending out so it was this this whole big mess um so you know we, we were like obviously not going to be able to do anything more with that label. Uh, but, uh, you know, run for cover had shown some interest in, in re-releasing it and, and putting it on vinyl, uh, which, uh, to be fair, it had been released on vinyl, uh, by Nick Heitman. He did a, a photo booth records pressing of it, which was really cool. Um, but then, yeah, like the screen printed. Yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah I still yeah. have my copy of that. I'm, I'm psyched to have that. Yeah. That was, uh, I remember death wish carried that and I, and, uh, I jumped on that immediately and they were, they sold out pretty quickly. And I, I still cherish that I get to own a copy of that record. Um, yeah. I mean, and then obviously, you know, I, I feel like it, that same time, like run for cover then became, you know, sort of the, uh, the hype label for everything happening in Pennsylvania, you know, cause then, they just swallowed up so many of those bands between between uh run for cover and no sleep i right, think right that, yeah just just uh, that whole scene just started to grow and grow and grow and you know again from being in california just watching it from as far of a sideline as it could be it was just you know thrilling and it, and it was uh it, again i always we always were just like what is in the water in this, <laughs> this state it's crazy <laughs> yeah i don't know we we were really lucky to be you know to come up when we did and to kind of be a part of that. Um, you know, it, it was definitely like an exciting, it, it was like a, it was a scene that was really cool. Like there was no, uh, no sense of like competition or anything. It was just all like everybody kind of building each other up and being fans of each other. It was like a really cool sort of supportive scene. Yeah. It's funny. And I, I think especially with, with, uh, with the world that you're in, uh, we realized that with the band, bad seed because it seemed like at any given moment anyone like randoms were always or like not randoms but like the lineup for bad seed seemed to be different like constantly and it was like is no one's getting their feelings hurt about being in this band it just seems like everyone's allowed to be in bad seed if they want to or like switch instruments or you and adam were in that originally right yeah so um when when we you know had kind of struck up that friendship with title fight uh we learned of a sort of like descendancy sort of skate punk hardcore band that they had done um prior to that called the gnarlies and shane sang for it and i you know i had one of their one of their eps and thought it was like the coolest thing ever and i was like man i want to i want to start a hardcore band with shane so i hit him up and i was like let's start let's start a band and uh and he was like you know super down and uh he got our friend Andy Saba involved, who was just like an incredible guitar player 
and so bad seed was born and <laughs> it's a it's sort of a funny story like we re- we recorded we we practiced a bunch at the tiger jaw space and um and then we recorded uh at the same studio that we did the self-titled record and where title fight did a bunch of their early stuff and then um adam and i went on like a quick vacation or something and uh <laughs> at some point the the demo was re-recorded and uh and it wasn't and you know wasn't with us on it and so the the you know it was released to the world bad seed demo two and we were just like huh demo two <laughs> um <laughs> So maybe I should take funny. back what I said when I said no one got their feelings hurt. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, uh, there's definitely no, there's definitely no hard feelings. Um, it was, it, it was also at a time where they were, you know, a ton of opportunities came their way, and they they toured a bunch and played a bunch of cool festivals and stuff while we were still, we were still in, you know, in in college and stuff. So we we would have totally held all of that back from happening by just not being you know, available to do that stuff. Um, but it's just a funny story. Sometimes we like to bring it up and pretend like, pretend like there's beef, but, uh, but there's not, I, I, you know, at the time I remember always being, uh, quietly frustrated, uh, with Tiger's jaw in those early days, because you were also dedicated to school where like, we just wanted to play shows with you or see you play or, Whatever, because I, I remember always asking Merrick every single time that Touche was going to book a tour to be like, can we ask Tiger Shot? And he'd be like, dude, they're in school. Dude, they're in school. They're not going to do it. They're in yeah. school. And then then you all graduated and it was, it was. Uh, I think we all were, um, yes, we were happy that you graduated college, but I think all of us were like, yes, they can play shows now and now they can tour. Did, uh, <laughs> did you feel that? It, it, like with, within your band, like did that feel like this extra level of like freedom that came from graduating? Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, uh, the, the, the fact that we were all in school kind of kept everything tethered pretty, pretty close. So there would be, you know, only two weeks or so at a time during breaks where we could all, we would all be available to, to tour. So we never really had to make any sort of big decisions about, you know, about touring or this and that. Um, so we never, you know, we were never a full-time band before, like kind of like the the lineup change happened. So yeah, it was at a little bit of a crossroads there and um I think ultimately it, these things tend to work out for the best. So so yeah, after that all happened, like after we were all kind of set to graduate, we had booked a bunch of studio time to do what would become Charmer and we had booked a full US with Pianos Become the Teeth and a full UK European tour with the Menzingers. So it was like the first time we had a bunch of stuff all lined up and then, um, and then it was like everybody kind of coming to terms with like, Oh wow. Like this is, this is really going to happen. Huh? Um, and then, you know, things ended up going the way they have. And Brianna and I, um, you know, in a lot of ways realized like, Hey, we're, we're just getting started with this project and we never have toured full time. So like we, we want to like see this through. Um, so we we kept uh we kept those commitments and did those tours and kind of just kept building from there um i well yo i'll we could we could wrap this up with uh with the last question i like to ask people which is uh do you remember the first time where you felt like uh you were doing the thing that you'd been working so hard towards like you were actually doing it yeah so i I mean i've listened to i think almost all the episodes of this so far so i was was prepared for this or or at least i thought i was 
Um, but I think the realization I came to was like, every time one of those moments happens, the goalposts tend to move down further and further, you know, like you, mm-hmm. you reach, you reach something and then you realize like, oh, there's still so much further to go. But I think, um, you know, first kind of started when, when we would just notice like that our band was making any sort of waves outside of like the Scranton scene, you know, like people would order our CD from out, out of state or even a few out of the country. And then like the first time we played outside of Pennsylvania and saw people singing along to the songs or like the first time we played outside of the U S and, and, you know, saw people who knew who we were and everything like those moments are just so surreal and they still feel so surreal. Um, and then I think, I think in terms of like in an artistic sense, the fact that like we've, we did the last two records spin and this forthcoming record that is coming out in, uh, March of 2021. Um, we did both of those records before signing any sort of deal. Um, so they were just totally like the way we wanted to make them like full, like full month plus in the studio, like doing things the way we wanted to, like just outside of any sort of, uh, like, you know, influence of a, of a label or expectations or anything. Like, so for me, that was like this really cool culmination where I was like in an artistic sense, wow, we, we really have the resources to like make records the way we want to make them. Uh, so that, that was something I was, I, I've been pretty proud of these last two records. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I know Will Yip is like a great collaborator with, with you and Brianna. Um, Definitely. Cause you play drums on spin, right? I did. Yeah. So this, this forthcoming record is called, I won't care how you remember me. And, uh, so it's, it's the first record, uh, with us as as uh, the the f- official four piece lineup of the of the band, with Colin Gorman on bass and Teddy Roberts on drums, uh, you know, Spin was sort of a transitional record for us where we kind of just had a, a touring lineup unofficially at the time, um, but we had these you know these songs ready to go, and so we just decided that kind of like this record has to happen this way, and um, you know we we kind of chased that. Uh, that idea of working together, uh, you know, with, with two people, sort of like in the earliest days of Tiger Shot, it was two people, me and, me and Adam working on these songs and building them out. And then, uh, so we ap- kind of approached Spin the same way. Um, and then this newest record, I Won't Care How You Remember Me, is sort of like new era, like hitting the reset button, like having two completely new, unique musical voices in the mix and, it's just, it was such an exciting and, and cool recording process. Just, you know, unlike, unlike any record we've ever made before, uh, it was just really fun and collaborative and cool. So I'm, I'm really excited for, for that to come out. When did you finish recording that? Um, last August. So we've been kind of sitting on it for a long time. Yeah, man. Right when we, right when we were supposed to be making all these big decisions about when it would come out and when the tour would happen is kind of like right when the pandemic started unfolding. And so everything was a question mark. Everything was up in the air. We were like, all right, well, let's hold off a little bit. Let's hold off. And then we were like, well, it's, this isn't ending anytime soon. So we just have to go go ahead and figure out how to release this thing without touring. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, sitting <laughs> yeah. on a record for, for, sitting on a record, you know, even even the normal like five months or six months is tough. It's excruciating. Uh, my heart goes out to you. 
it's excruciating. And yeah, the fact that you've had this done since over a year, right? Yeah. That, that's what you mean by last August, right? God oh, damn. yeah, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Jesus, man. Well, thank you for being here. And uh, I love you, Ben. This, is, this has been great. I love you too. And I miss you, Jeremy. Take care. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you can spare a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple, it helps the show gain more visibility and that can make all the difference. Thank you, and I'll see you again next week. Yeah.